Welcome to Gardening Talk back on to NURFM. Greg Richard here with Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back once again. Thank you very much. It is always great to be back. Two ha- months go so quickly. That it flies by. How are you feeling for 2021? Invigorated. Invigorated. Invigorated, yep. Excellent. So yep. we've obviously got some invigorating topics for us today. Well, hopefully some callers as well. They'll be all pent up out there. Oh, they'll be chomping at the bits. Hopefully so. What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, firstly, I thought we'd talk about a plant that's out and about at the moment. The Acalypha uh, frangipani rust is on its way in as well as the humidity increases and palm problems. Palm problems? Yeah, if you've got some indoor palms, we'll try and cure some of those problems you might have. And we've got Ned from Mayfield, and he's got a question. He's got leaf miner in his citrus. Good afternoon, Ned. Uh, always good to have the uh, first caller of the year. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> that's all right. How can we help you? Uh, leaf miner in my citrus. Um, are we pulling the leaves off or leaving them? Uh, well, look, you, you can leave them on there. Unfortunately, though, once the leaf miner goes through there, uh, they're, they're damaged. The structure of the leaf is damaged and it, it won't come good for you. So leaf miner is, I guess, the little you know widget, the little pupa of the moth that lays its eggs. It goes in between the, the uh, two layers of the leaf and it just sort of yep. burrows away in there and eats away and does a whole lot of damage. Uh, so, look, you, you can uh, leave them on there. It's just going to be slightly disfigured, the plant. Uh, I guess the, the one of the, the things to do, though, is to spray preventatively at this time of year. And uh, to do that, you use eco oil. Uh, it's a really good product. You probably have to use it every week, every couple of weeks, uh, just spraying all over the plant, misting in under the underside of the leaves. Uh, it, it puts a protective uh, coating on there, and the moth lands on there, doesn't like it, and so you know, therefore it doesn't actually lay its eggs, and it's semi, you know, it's partly protected. Now, at this time of year, of course, a lot of citrus have got new growth on them. And that's what the leaf miner is going to attack. Once the leaves harden off and go that darker green, leaf miner doesn't attack there. It's only that soft, fleshy, um, you know, nice, tasty new growth that it has a go at. Yeah, so, so my, my concern is uh, leaving it on disfigured or disfiguring the plant by, by ripping all the leaves back, leaving it as a bit of a, a stunted, you know, it, it's new growth. I don't... You, not always great to be cutting off a new growth, right? Yeah, look, it's not. Uh, in a way, you you know, in betwixt and in between there, the old six of one, half a dozen of yeah. the other, what do you do? I'm inclined to leave it on there, uh, and at least the plant is still getting some energy from those leaves. It eventually hardens up, but again, you have to keep on spraying preventatively with eco oil to try and keep it under control. Uh, yeah. Look, taking the leaves off, all it's going to do is promote new growth and you're going to have the same problem again. You get in this cycle where you've got soft new growth and then it's attacked again and, you know, you peel that off and then you've got new growth coming on again. So I'm more inclined to leave it there. Uh, yes, it is a little bit bit disfigured, um, but spray preventatively and that should keep it under control. Thanks, Scott. Okay, good on you, Ned. Thank you very much and thank, thank you for you. being the first caller, mate. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Very happy to be the first caller of the year, Ned. Well, you need someone straight off the bat, don't you? You do, yep. you do. Of course, if you do have it, want to be the second caller of the year, Ooh. you can do so by yeah. giving Pod- us a call. Yeah, podium place and third <laughs> as well. We'll give we'll give prizes today. Kerry from Cessnock, she's got a bit of a tricky one. She's got tomatoes on the plant that have a bone in them. Oh, sounds interesting. Kerry, tell us more, please. Oh, well, I didn't think I could ever grow a tomato that had a bone in it like a pumpkin, but I've got a, a gross list. Yes, and a couple of metres away, I've got a, an Apollo. The Apollo, I'm getting lovely, nice shape and tomatoes off their, their rigidage. The Grossless, they're disgusting. They're, they're all different shapes and sizes, and they have the biggest, hardest, 
core in them and they are just horrible. And by the time I cut all the core away, there's very little tomato left. It's just big, hard, white lump of core, or to me it looks like bone. But anyway, it's probably not bone. It's probably a hard core. So oh. what's going wrong there? Yeah, so look, tomatoes uh, can get, uh, you know, like a hard white core in them, a bone if you want to call them that. that that's that's a good description, I guess. Uh, and look, that, that can come from a variety of reasons. Often it can be through, uh, you know, changeable weather. So if we're getting hot or cold weather, uh, the old varieties will get that uh, sort of hard core in them. The other uh, issue they can get as well is if, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of drying out, then getting really wet, drying out, getting really wet, they can also, um, you know, form that hard core. So it's that interchangeableness in, in the weather or the water that they get. Uh, the other thing that can, uh, I guess, uh, you know, provide that as well is if they're getting too much um, fertiliser. Um, I guess the problem with yours, though, is you're saying I've got a perfectly good Apollo next door and this yeah. one's happening with the gross liz, so that, mm. that, that's a little bit strange. Uh, look, the older varieties are more susceptible, so I guess gross liz is one of the older varieties. Um, but look, that said, I'm, I'm wondering if there might be some sort of in- insect or you know infestation that could also be uh, you know making them a little bit deformed like that, because that was another thing you told us. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. there any sort of puckering or any on the, on the actual fruit or on the, the leaves um, of the plant? Yeah, some of them are just really weird shape they're not a, you know a nice round tomato they sort of have folds and and things in them and that sort of seems to to predispose them to the fruit fly that are around I, you know I sort of dust them and do stuff like that to try to keep the fruit fly away um, and it, it's not really a, a great issue only if they sort of if they if the skin breaks um, you know through some of the folds through the ugly bits and you know the fruit fly seem to be able to get in get into them pretty pretty easily then but um yeah it's just just a bit of a puzzle when the when the apollo is only you know probably oh, a meter and a half away and it, it's just brilliant and the gross list is just disgusting yeah look it sounds like it's going to come down to the variety of it in that case uh look what, I, what i'd also be doing is getting a product we just actually spoke about it before with uh ned from mayfield uh, he's got that citrus leaf miner but, oh, yeah, I've got that too. Yeah, if you've got some eco oil, I'd be using that on your plant because the, you could be getting some, uh, you know, mite activity on, on the fruit that could be giving that puckering and, and weird shape to it. Um, and fruit fly, of course, is always going to cause that sort of uh, deformity in fruit. So, yeah, keep on doing what you're doing with the fruit fly. Use some eco oil every now and again. Might be worth pulling that one out now and, uh, you know, starting yeah. again with another variety. Mm, all right. Yeah, well, I've got, um, I've got the citrus leaf miner in my little orange tree so <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been doing that with eco oil so I might whack a bit on the tomato and and um and see what happens yeah see how you go but but otherwise if if you do want to you know replant tomatoes it is a great time to pull out any you know sort of scrungy old plants that are still you know hanging on there and Mm. uh, get them in now and you'll still get a decent crop out of this it's you know we've still got you know a couple of probably two or three warm months i would say left Uh, yeah uh, you know it's not until we get into first second week of may that things start to really chill off so uh, Mm. plenty of time to get some new tomatoes in uh, if you want to um, yeah, just see how you go uh, trying again in that position with a different variety. Oh, right. So it is okay to put a, a, 
pull that one out and put another one in the same place? Well, look, I, I, look, yes, yes. Sometimes nematodes are an issue with tomatoes, but you're saying to me that your Apollo, you know, fairly close next door is doing yes. okay. So, yes, look, just as yes. an experiment, stick it back in, see if another variety uh, gets damaged the same way. Otherwise, it might be worth to uh, let that uh, area lie fallow uh, next mm. year and uh, start again in another area, treat that area. Um, you know, if it is nematodes, and uh, then we uh, move on for the next year. Right, okay. All righty, good. Thank okay. you very much, Kat. Thank you very much. Thanks, Have a Scott. nice afternoon, Kerry. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We've got Peter now from Beresfield, and he's got a question about the mandarin tree. Good afternoon. Yeah. afternoon, Peter. How can we help you? Yeah, I've got an uh, imperial mandarin tree yes. in the ground, and it's uh, loaded at the moment. Yes. It's uh, squash ball size, and it's dropping fruit onto the ground. Now, I had this problem last year and got around it because it lacked a bit of vine. I've attended to that, but it's still dropping fruit. Yeah, so what happens with a, a citrus tree, and, and indeed, you know, a lot of fruit trees, is that they get a little bit optimistic. Uh, you know, they put on a lot of flower, then a lot of fruit, and it turns out, well, no, we can't actually handle, um, you know, getting all this fruit up to maturity. So as it starts to get a little bit stressed about the world, it will just drop its fruit. Uh, and get it down to a manageable level that it can actually you know, handle and, and you know, see through to becoming ripe. Uh, right. So, look, don't, don't be too concerned about it, Peter. Uh, what I would do, though, is don't do any fertilising with it at the moment. Uh, stressed trees don't really like having fertiliser. They have to then deal with it, and it makes them even more stressed. Uh, I would just uh, keep on watering it very regularly uh, and just make sure that the ground's moist all the time so it can actually support that fruit. You want your mandarins to be nice and juicy as well. You don't want it drying out. Uh, so, yeah, I think regular watering at the moment is probably the best thing to do for you. I only fertilise every change of season anyhow. So. Okay, okay, well that, that's great. So a lot of people, when they see a sick plant, decide that, oh, you know, I've got to give it some food, but uh, that can actually be counterproductive and the wrong thing to do. Uh, look, as we've been talking to Ned from Mayfield, our first caller of the uh, of the year, uh, you can use some uh, some eco oil on that as well if you're seeing any citrus leaf miner in the new growth. Yeah, I've had eco oil into it, uh, Scott. Yeah, no worries. Okay, good on you. Thank you very much, okay. Peter. thanks for your help. Cheers, bye-bye. And we've got Helen now from Singleton, and she's got a question about African violets. Good afternoon, Helen. How can we help you with them? Oh, good. I've got some African violets that need repotting. Re, you know, they've grown too big in the things, but I can't get the potting mix anywhere. The shops haven't got it, Bunnings haven't got it, not here. And I was just wondering, can I use ordinary potting mix? Yeah, look, you, you can use ordinary potting mix. Uh, always best if you can try and locate, uh, you know, a specialised mix for your African violets. Uh, what I would recommend you doing is getting some peat moss and uh, mixing that back up into a regular potting mix. Uh, because you know when you get the African violet mix, it's, it's usually very, very peaty. Uh, yeah, so I'd grab some peat moss. Uh, you should be able to still get that quite fine. Yeah, I, can get, I can get that with Woolies and Carl's, uh, Woolies and... Uh... Bunnings up here, they can't get it in. Ah, okay. It's all on, it's all on ships or something. Now like everything else. Yeah, they, look, that that is the way, unfortunately. Uh, so at Singleton, you've got an independent garden centre up there. They might be able to help you out. Uh, we haven't got anything up oh, here. Oh, no longer. That's that's yeah. no good. No, there's nothing up here. We've just got to get down to Maitland, and I've been down there, and they haven't got it either. So. Oh, dear, dear. Yeah, no. look, if you can just get a small bag of mix and then some peat moss, uh, sort of mix it up. Uh, you know, you wouldn't do sort of half and half, but you'd start to get a bit of, you know, sort of peaty consistency to that mix. And, I could uh, probably use the 
the old soil that's in it as well, you know, and that'll sort of break it up a bit, I suppose, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, you can. Uh, that, that, that's that's fine to do. Uh, you know, you just wouldn't recycle the old soil completely, but, yeah, try and mix it back through any new mix that you do so that, uh, you know, it's not hydrophobic and that there's still some nutrient in there for the plant to use. They're getting, you know, I've got a, some of them are coming in flower. Well, I'll have to wait till they finish, but I've just got to to do something with them because they've got three or four in one one container, you know. Yeah, look, definitely wait until they finish flowering. I had one uh, at, at home that went a bit strange on I me. Mean, it kept on growing and it got this almost trunk on it and went out the pot and then drooped down and I think finally it's given up the ghost on me because I had it out in almost the full sun. I was being quite cruel to the African oh, violet. Naughty, but... naughty thing. Yeah. I've got mine in a little plastic hothouse and, and um, I've just got to, you know, keep the water up to them but I, I, uh, I can't... What happens in, when they're in their natural place and it rains and their leaves get wet, that, that doesn't affect them? Well, you know, I've always wondered about that. You know, sometimes I think we have these old wives' tales about, you know, don't water overhead. Uh, look, I've certainly watered African violets overhead, um, you know, to no damage. Uh, and then I've heard other stories, you know, people actually give them, you know, old wheat tea as well to drink as some sort of fertiliser. Uh, oh, yeah, but look, I, I, I look, if you splash some water over the leaf of the African violet, like you said, it's out there, you know, it would have got watered on it anyway. So, uh, well, that's what I've often wondered, you know, but I, I do feed them from the bottom and keep their sources full, yes. Yeah, look, I, okay. I, think it, I think it might be that you don't want the leaves, you know, with water sitting on them. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's when they're going to get, uh, you know, damp, sort of damp off and start to rot. So that would be something you'd have to be careful about. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Orfley. Okay, thank you very much for the call, Helen. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So we've got David from Cessnock. Now, his hibiscus is under attack by ants. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds pretty mega. David, how can we help you, mate? Mate, has got a uh, hibiscus about two years old. Yes. Four foot high, very healthy. Heaps of buds on it as a flower. But little black ants are about a little bit smaller than green ants who are attacking it and eating the, the buds and they just fall off. How can I kill the ants? Yeah, look, I, I'm wondering, uh, there could be two things. I'm wondering if you've got some scale on there, so that's worth having a look at and yep. uh, giving a, a spray with some scale, uh, you know, insecticide. You can use eco oil on that as well. We're talking about that a lot today. Uh, the yeah. other thing that... What about malathon? Can I use malathon? Yeah, you can use malathon. But uh, with scale insects, though, they've got that hard, waxy shell. So malathon will yep. actually kill the insect in underneath. You've got to, got to get through the hard, waxy shell. So you need to add some white oil into that yep. uh, to try and break down that waxy shell. Uh, so certainly if you do that, you can uh, give your scale, you know, just a sort of a preventative spray yep. with your malathon and white oil. Uh, hibiscus, though, the ants do love the, the pollen in those beautiful big flowers. Are yep. your flowers out yet? or they're just No, they're, they're just budded. They, they haven't opened up. They don't get to open up. Okay, so, yeah, that, that's interesting that the ants are probably coming up there, you know, thinking oh, oh, we, yep. it's time for feed, uh, they're smelling it, however the ants do their sensory thing. Uh, look, one way to uh, keep ants under control is just to get a, an old rag and uh, dip it in some Kero and then just tie it around the base of the plant for a short period of time. And that tends to dissuade them. Uh, it sort of leaves a bit of a scent on the plant as well that they don't like. Uh, yeah, so th that's a way to do it. Uh, of course, if you are going to spray with a malathon and the white oil, that's going to get rid of the ants as well. But uh, that's, that's secondary sort of uh, defence, I guess, uh, by putting the, the rag with the kero on it uh, down around the base. That's going to, yep. to keep it under control. Good work. Thank you. Okay. How big is your hibiscus? Has it got a decent trunk on it yet? or? 
No, not not that big. It's about four foot high. Okay. Look, yeah. It might even be that you just sort of create a, a, a ring rather than tying it onto the trunk of the plant. You could just get that, uh, you know, that rag or tea towel, whatever you're going yeah. to use, and sort of create a ring around the base of the plant on the ground, uh, and that'll stop the ants coming in as well. I don't like the kero. It hurts their little feet. That, that, that kero is probably the main ingredient in that ant dust, isn't it? Yeah, look, I'm not sure that that is. That's some sort of insecticide that works slowly on them and it, it take, they take it back to their nest. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, look, I, I think at the moment you just need to stop the ants getting on there. So using that Kero soak rag will do the trick yep. for you. Good work. Okay. Thank you. Good on you, David. Thanks for the call, mate. Right, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we've got Jeff now from Arcadia Vale and he's trying to identify a weed he's got growing in his grass. Let's give it a go. Jeff, how can, how can we help you, mate? Uh, hey Scott, I have a, uh, a, a type of weed growing in my grass. I have a Kaikyu lawn, mm-hmm. and uh, this weed it seems to stem from a central root and then just sends out runners. And and uh, the leaf, I would say, looks nearly a cross between a, uh, a Kaikyu and a buffalo. And I was wondering if it might be crabgrass. Yeah, look, that that could be crabgrass, and there are chemicals out there that you can use on there. There's, uh, well, I used to call it anti-pass, but it's a paspalum and nutgrass killer, and, yeah. and that will do crabgrass for you. Now, what you have to do, though, Jeff, is is when you go and down to your local garden centre and find that, uh, you know, that that particular chemical, always yeah. turn it over and make sure that you can spray it on Kaikyu lawns. Kaikyu uh, yeah. is pretty tough and, and you know, it's, I'm not saying you can't, but just always check up. Buffalo tends to be the sort of the softest grass, so you have to be careful about that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd go and give that a try. Even at first, you might just want to do a, a little spot spray just to see how it goes. Pardon me, what I've done so far is I've tried winter grass killer and uh, clean lawn on it. It doesn't have an effect. But I did, uh, Scott, I did Google... Paspalum killer, yes, and uh, the ones that turned up on uh, on the Google says that you can't use it on Kaikyu. Okay, look, there are different chemicals no. out there, so always just go and down to your local garden centre and check to the ones that mm. they've got. Um, you know, you might be able to use it, uh, and mm. then, like I said, some chemicals even on there will say if you have you know lawn X or lawn Y, just mm. spot spray to try and keep it under control. Um, okay. So you always have to just check that you know the particular chemical that you're going to use, just to make sure it's uh, suitable for your grass. All right then. Okay. Well, I'll uh, I'll go and have a look at some paspalum killer yeah, down but, the street. But and, certainly uh, the the, the winter grass killer that won't work. It it really only works on winter grass and often works as yeah. a pre-emergent um, clean lawn. Uh, look, sometimes, yeah, you can give those ones a try. Bindi as well, give those a try and yeah. see how you go. But mm-hmm. I reckon it's going to be one of those uh, anti-pass uh, sort of chemicals that is going to do the trick for you. Yeah, and another one that I was thinking of trying was uh, weed killer for buffalo lawns because it seems to have a different active ingredient than a lot of the other stuff. And, and I've found that, has, that that has been successful on, uh, I think you call it, Ricardia or Ricardia. Yes, yeah, Ricardia. Yeah, that's also a difficult one to get rid of. So, look mm. again, if you've got some of that in the shed, uh, yep, yeah, give it a try in a sort of uh, right. you know inconspicuous spot in the lawn that you're not yeah. going to see too well. And you know, just see how it goes. Uh, all right then. Okay. okay. Good on you, Jeff. All right, great. Good luck Thanks with it. Uh, give us a call Bye-bye. back and let us know how you go with it. All right then, I will. Thank Appreciate you. it. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
It's Guarding Talk back on 2 and FM. We've got Grant from Redhead, and he wants to know how you can make successful cuttings. Oh, it's not, it's not that hard. Grant, how can we help you, mate? Oh, Scotty. Yeah. Um, how you going, mate? Good, good to see you working hard on Monday morning, mate. <laughs> always working hard. Always working hard. Yeah, yeah. I've just been thinking, Scotty. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, you know. And uh, Anyway, but um, I've got these plants around my house, long, long and the short of it, uh, they're like happy plants, sort of thing. They're green and white or something, Jill. Or... Yeah. How do, you, how do you do cutting, Scott? Yeah, look, they're an easy one to actually take a cutting uh, from. So with with a happy plant or, you know, any of those Dracaena sort of woody-type plants, yeah. uh, you could, you'd literally just take a section of it off. If you can get one where there's some leaves coming out, uh, try and keep that. Uh, and then you just literally stick it into some potting mix. You can use a uh, rooting hormone if you want to and dip it in there. Some people say to dip the end in honey. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, hang on, can I stop you there for a minute? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, I've done that a little bit. Um, yep. So, so, so rooting hormone, what's that called? Yeah, look, there's a whole lot of different, uh, you know, hormone powders out there that you can use to try and, you know, strike a plant and get it to go. Um, but like I said, people use honey, um, you know, well worth giving that a try. There must be something in it that the bees do that, uh, you know, that make it. Yeah, so give that a try. But uh, yeah, look, well, you just take a few uh, cuttings from your original plant and it's always going to be, uh, you know, I guess... You know, you need a few. It's, you're not going to get every single one uh, to come good for you. Yeah, um, but, yeah. yeah, literally take that cutting. Don't make it an enormous cutting. Uh, and if you can get some leaf on it, yeah, try and do that. But then into the pot, into the potting mix, uh, really pack it down hard around it in a nice sheltered, sheltered spot and water it as normal. So, so, so I've, I've sort of been doing that a little bit. So, so when you put it in, Scotty, like, I want to get... Um, different plants at different levels. You know how they look good at Bunnings, you know, how you get a small one, a medium one and a high yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. I've been thinking about buying taller pots about a metre high and, and sticking them down into that and that. Um, so, so, but but their, their leaves have been dying off on the taller ones. Is there any way we can get around that or not? Oh no! I mean, that's maybe it's just because you've got the the bigger cutting that that's happening. But don't give yeah, up on it yeah, um, yeah, because often the leaves will just die off, and then you'll get new shoots, you know, bur- oh, okay. bursting out. So I, I wouldn't give up just because the leaves are uh, you know falling off and dying on those. That doesn't yeah, necessarily mean yeah. your cutting hasn't been successful. No, they go all right at the top, you know, and then but they're just this this long, and I'm just. Um, Oh, it's a long story, but I've got to cut heaps of them down. I'm going to get heaps of dirt, and I'm just looking for something to do with them. And I'm retired, and I've got nothing much to do. And we're going to few holes, and you know, I've got me, I've got no muscles left, Scott. You know, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, okay. Anyway, thanks for the advice, mate. Okay, good okay, good on you, and good luck with the grant. Okay, thanks. Cheers. You're a little champion, mate. Well, thank there. you very much yeah. for that. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Your biggest fan there. I think so. A little champion. Never been called that before, but I'll, t- I'll take that one today. We've got Peter from Salamander Bay, and he's got a question about frangipanis. Good afternoon, yes. Peter. How can we help you with it? Yes. Um, my daughters, like most women, are nuts for frangipani. I scored a large cutting, large branch, the other day of an unusual colour, so I want to make sure we get this right. About Just about putting them getting them to the to, to take again um what's the best way i've been told to put it in a bucket of water and another person's told me just to stick it in a pot 
What's the best way to go? Yeah, look, I don't agree with the bucket of water one. Sticking in a pot's not a bad way to go. Uh, Look, all the growers actually let them dry out. They'll stick them in a shady spot and let them dry out for a couple of weeks and then they'll stick them into some soil. Um, So, look, I'd either do it that way, but I wouldn't do the bucket of water one. Uh, now, the, the problem with if with doing that, if you've got a very, very big cutting, it's very hard to keep it stable. Yep. How, how tall is the cutting you've got, Peter? Uh, well, it's probably about a metre high, but I've passed a few pieces of it out to my daughters, so they'd be probably maybe half a metre. Oh, okay. Okay, so that, that's fine. You'll be able to grow that one. Uh, look, some people, you know, they'll, they'll go and, you know, take half a limb off a frangy penny and, and then, you know, trying to create a tree straight away and stick it in the ground and it just topples yeah. over and the root system can't, you know, take root and, and do what it has to do. So you're doing it the right way. Uh, yeah, so look, I would uh, put it into a, a shady spot, let it dry out for a couple of weeks and then get a, you know, fairly good-sized pot and get it into there. And if you can, put it in a position. It can be out in the full sun if you want to, uh, but maybe somewhere where it's not getting some after, you know, just after three o'clock in the afternoon, it goes into some shade. And see if you can stake it or tie it up because what you really need to do is keep it nice and steady for, you know, look at at least until next November, I guess, uh, is the best way to look at it because you've only got a short period of time now um, where it's going to continue growing. So that's going to be the main thing for you. And then just water it as normal. Don't fertilise it until you see some uh, new uh, growth coming out and that time you might give it some liquid fertiliser. Okay, but it's all right to let it dry, like dry right out, is it? Yeah, look, all the growers they just stick them in under benches, uh, and they just let them dry out for a week, two weeks, uh, and after that, then they repot them. It just lets the oh. the base of it, the stem, dry out and form a callus, so you're not getting yep. pest and disease going back up in there. You'll be surprised, yeah, mate. Right. You'll be surprised how long they last, uh, you know, yeah. without actually, uh, you know, really seeing any harm to the leaves on it. Yes, just it's a. Uh, we've never seen this colour. I scored a, a blood red flower. Mm-hmm. So because the girls have never seen that, they're going nuts for it. So I, I, I we're, we're um like being really cautious with it, so we don't want to lose it. That's all. Yeah, just so, remember your blood red flowers. Not much fragrance to them, unfortunately. Uh, well, yeah, they're, they're nice. They're not really nice colour, but uh, yeah, no smell. Yeah, that's all right. The girls only like to look at it, so. That's, that's a good thing. Okay. Thank you very much for your help, Scott. Good on you, Peter. Good luck with it, mate. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. I think we've got time for one more call. We've got Elizabeth from Dora Creek, and she's got a mandarin tree that looks like it's dying. It doesn't sound good. Elizabeth, tell us about it. Uh, well, it's just yes. one branch on the tree. Yes. Uh, and, it's, and it's loaded with small fruit. And I can I went out and just had a look at it, and I can see a bit of... Um, um, like rotten stuff on the on the trunk above it. Right. So you you think that there, like there's some sap or something coming out at the moment, or? Um, no, it doesn't look like sap. It looks like um, it's a dead wood. Right, okay. Look, but citrus, when they get older, can get borers going into them. Uh, so that, that could be a problem uh, with yours. You've said it's about 20 years old. Uh, look, you, you can treat those. Uh, you know, you have to get some insecticide down into the borer hole. Uh, another way of doing it is just to do some heavy pruning on the plant and, and you know, try and revitalise it that way. Uh, obviously, you want to try and get the rest of the fruit off there for the year, though. So you're p- happy to wait and let that, that, that occur. 
But uh, once you do that, you need to get a product called Steri Prune and seal up any uh, wounds or any cuts on the uh, the tree just to uh, stop any pest and disease getting in there. Steri, what was it? Steri? Yeah, it's called Steri Prune is the product you need. It's like a tar-based paint. Uh, but look, even if you uh, want to send us some photos or something of that, we'll be uh, only too happy to uh, have a look at it, just to make sure exactly what it is, Elizabeth. And uh, I think Greg's got the uh, email address for us. Yeah, which is gardening at com. Okay. So look, if you send us that, uh, we'll get back in touch uh, and, and talk about it on air for you, Elizabeth. All right, then. That'll be great. Thank you okay. very much. Fantastic. Good luck with it. Well, thank you Cheers. very we'll much. We'll hear from you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Elizabeth. Bye. Again, that phone number, uh, email address, I should say. Gardening at 2NURFM.com if you want to send us any photos. Yeah, always a good way to uh, try and work problems out. Look at that. That's our wind-up music. (laughs) (laughs) Gardening Talk back back again next Monday for midday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.